0: This is the Adult Explore the Bible weekly leader training podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead a Bible study group using LifeWay's Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we review the Bible passage for that week's study, examine some questions teachers may face, and give some teaching tips along the way. During the spring of 2023, we'll be studying chapters 12 through 21 of John. I'm Dwayne Recurier, your host, and Amber Vaden is with me today as well. She's our co-host, so Amber, thank you for being with us again this week.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here.
0: Today we're also being joined by Bill Craig. Bill is the senior vice president at Lifeway. So Bill, thank you for being with us today.
2: Thank you for letting me uh, join in. I I get to do this about once every every quarter, so I'm glad to do it again today.
0: We're looking at session two. We're looking at John chapter twelve, verses twenty through thirty-three. The title of the lesson of is if it dies. And the summary statement is, Jesus offers hope to those who seek him. We've outlined this passage in four breaks. Those four breaks are introduced, dies, glorified, and draws. That first section, introduced, looks at verses 20 and 22 of chapter 12. What we find in these verses is some Greeks are visiting Jerusalem for the Passover, and they want to meet Jesus. They approach Philip who then goes to Andrew. And then together, Philip and Andrew approach Jesus. The point for us is that believers can introduce others to Jesus. The second section is dies, which looks at verses 23 through 26 of chapter 12. In these verses, Jesus responds to the introduction by declaring that the time had come for him to be glorified. He told a parable of a seed dying. So that it can produce fruit. And he makes the statement by losing one's life, one gains life. All who follow Jesus and serve him will be honored by the father. We can walk away from this particular part of the study, knowing that following Jesus has costs and rewards. The next section, verses 27 through 28, we've entitled glorified. In this passage, Jesus expressed his struggle asking God to save him, but also knowing that he came for the events that were about to unfold. After calling on the father to honor his name, a voice from heaven declared that the father had glorified his name and would do so again. The point for us is that hope is found in faithfully following the father. The last section of our outline is entitled draws, which looks at verses 29 through 33. The crowd heard the voice, so Jesus explained that the voice was for their benefit. Judgment of the world was about to take place, and the ruler of this world would be defeated. That defeat would require Jesus to be lifted up, which would draw all people to him. John then adds that Jesus' statement pointed to the kind of death Jesus was about to endure. The point for us is that Jesus draws those seeking him to the cross some important ideas here some key ideas uh, that are found in this passage Um, uh, you know this begin with this section here where the greeks approach philip and andrew bill um, why might someone feel they need an intermediary to introduce them to jesus
2: so that's a great question for us to think about uh duane when, when I think about uh, what was going on, you had uh, a couple of followers of Jesus who had Greek names. So Andrew and Philip had Greek names, so there was already a bridge to this uh, group of, of Greeks who were coming to try to be introduced to Jesus. I'm sure those Greeks felt that there were some cultural barriers or some other uh, things related to uh, getting into the inner crowd to see Jesus—they they thought there were barriers that they were going to have to overcome. So they approached someone who seemed like they already had an inside track, but somebody they could relate to, somebody with a Greek name. So Jesus's kingdom has always been intended to be a cross-cultural, sort of truly boundaryless kingdom. People from every nation would come to know Christ and would make up his kingdom. That's always been God's plan. But, you know, Jesus is not well known by a lot of people, even in our culture, even in the buckle of the Bible Belt South where we live uh, today. There are a lot of people around us who don't have any real personal knowledge, or introduction to who Jesus is. And so they see Jesus uh, or hear about Jesus in the culture, or they see a life that's been transformed by Jesus, and they don't have any way to know, how do I get to know who that is, or how do I find out about him so that I can learn more about this this uh, relationship with Christ or with Christianity or with the church. And that's true in cultures all over the world. And so people are looking for a way to find out more about Jesus, to know more about Jesus. And that's really now become our marching orders as Christians. You know, I think it's really interesting. They come to Philip and Philip kind of scratches his head. He doesn't know exactly what to do. So he goes and gets Andrew. And Andrew was always about introducing people to Jesus. It seems like every time we see Andrew in the New Testament, he's bringing people to Jesus. And so that becomes our marching orders as Christians. Christ calls us to, as we're on our way going, as we're going We're making disciples. We're introducing people to who Jesus is because people want to know who he is. And we want to introduce them to him and invite them to follow him the same
0: way we do. I do think it's important for us here to realize you brought out the idea that Philip and Andrew both took them to Jesus, but they approached Philip first and then he went to Andrew. In a way, he kind of passed them off to Andrew, but he did give them the opportunity. He found a way to get them in the door. And so that, that affirms us knowing that sometimes our role is to get them in the door so that someone else can have that conversation with them. Uh, that may mean we invite them to Bible study or we've been praying for them or we go pick them up and, or meet them in the parking lot, whatever and then make sure they're part of our Bible study time together. Uh, That's one of the the key things of this study. One of the application ideas is for us as a group to create a list of people who are far from God and then begin to pray for that list and then ask the question or discuss the question, what other actions can the group take to introduce others to Jesus? Uh, That'd be the way you would close the lesson. That's a great way to get into that conversation uh, and thinking about our role as a group of reaching other people then it's a corporate activity and not just an individual activity sometimes
2: yeah
1: it is and this is a good picture of that Uh, in verse 24 and 25 jesus says truly i tell you unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies it remains by itself but if it dies it produces much fruit so is jesus talking about himself here or those who follow him
2: so I think verse 24 is clearly Jesus is talking about himself. He recognizes, verse 23 is actually this turning point moment mm-hmm. in Jesus's ministry. In verse 23, you know, it says, uh, the hour has come. The hour has come. Jesus recognizes now with the world coming to him that things are about to change in his ministry. And one of the first things he identifies is what he's known all along is that he has come for this purpose to die. And so he uses this parable from uh, an agricultural society. Now, Jesus's closest followers were fishermen and a tax collector. They weren't farmers, but they understood that for a seed to multiply, to produce fruit, it had to be buried in the ground, it had to die. And so Jesus is saying that about himself That for me to multiply my ministry, to go forward from this point forward, I'm going to have to die in order to multiply myself. To produce fruit, uh, I'll have to die. And so he's beginning to introduce that concept to his followers. Uh, Verse 25 turns to be about his followers, to be about us. So in verse 25, you know, uh, Jesus goes on to talk about uh, the idea of the ones who are following him. You know, if you want to follow him, you're going to have to lose your life Mm -hmm. Uh, to follow him. You're going to actually have to hate your life to gain life. Uh, And those who love their life are actually going to lose it. Now, that's really a paradoxical saying. People <laughs> then didn't understand it. People today still don't understand. They look at Jesus's sacrifice on the cross as a failure, or they see his life being cut short and he didn't really have the ministry he could have had if he hadn't have been uh, killed on the cross. And so Jesus is encouraging us to look beyond this temporary physical life we have to embrace the truly valuable eternal life that's offered, uh, where the victory of the resurrection becomes the way for people to really be in a relationship uh, with the Father. And so when he says uh, the one who loses his life, uh, another way to think about that word is uh, the word uh, destroys. So the one who tries to hold on to his life loses his life. When you're trying to hold on to the comforts and the cares of your life, when you're trying to have uh, this temporary life that's full of safety and comfort, you actually end up destroying your life uh, by becoming self-centered, by becoming self-serving, and all of those things that make you have a life that misses out on the eternal life that's offered when you're willing to follow Christ and give up your life for him. And so this becomes a by comparison. You love the life with Christ so much and the things of God so much that it appears that everything else in your life is by comparison something you hate.
1: Yes. Yes. That's an interesting, uh, where he says, you'll hate your life. I, I, I can see people reading that going, what does that mean? We're supposed to hate our life. I mean, I don't hate my life. So how, how should I understand this verse? But, so that's a very good explanation.
2: Yeah. I think the, the key here is to realize that it's a love for Christ and a love for God and his things so much that you, that by comparison, it appears that your priorities are so focused on Christ that that you don't, you aren't as concerned with the temporary things of this mortal
0: life, and it impacts how you invest and what you invest in, whether you invest all your time into stuff that's passing, that's not going to be eternal, versus things that are eternal, that have eternal value, uh, those type of things. So it's really a a, a statement of hyperbole.
1: Yes, in this mm-hmm.
0: context, yeah, um, right. the voice from heaven that's mentioned here, Bill, uh, it was heard by them in some form or fashion. We don't know exactly what they heard. At least I don't. It doesn't appear that they understood it. Help us think through uh, what they heard or how this voice from heaven impacted the crowd that day.
2: Yeah, well, some people heard it like thunder, so it was some kind of a loud, shocking noise. Uh, some people identified that with some otherworldly things. So a lot of people often in that culture uh, sort of associated uh, like thunder and other natural things like that with the gods. And so they and, uh, associated it with maybe that's a, a godly voice speaking. Uh, they don't clearly hear what he says or understand what that voice is about. And Jesus has to tell them what you heard is really and 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 there are people who think well maybe Jesus is getting affirmation through this verse like his father is speaking to him answering his question affirming him and Jesus actually says this voice is for your benefit so how does that voice become for their benefit well it's to their benefit because they understand the relationship what he has with his father. Gives him the authority uh, and the relationship with God in heaven to have this voice of uh, clarity and to have this uh, ability to teach and to lead as a spiritual leader on the earth that is affirmed by his heavenly Father. And that's what this voice is about and why it's to their benefit. It's to their benefit to know that Jesus is loved by the Father and is affirmed by the Father.
1: When I read and studied that verse, I thought, oh my goodness, they were there to hear that. It's unfortunate that they were unsure of what they heard because they they absolutely got to hear and be a part of God responding to Jesus's prayer uh, for their benefit, but still a response to Jesus's prayer. So it's interesting. Yeah.
2: Hey, before we leave, I want to point out verse 32 as well. It's such a key verse where Jesus says, as for me, if I'm lifted up from the earth, I'll draw all people to myself. This really is the passage ending where it began. So these Greeks are drawn to Jesus. And so Philip and Andrew have to introduce them to Jesus. Here Jesus is saying, We're coming to a time when I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be lifted up on the cross. And now for all time, this experience is going to draw people to me. So the question for us, Dwayne, I think you've already said this. The question for us becomes, how will we as believers, as followers of Christ, now reach out to those people who are drawn to Jesus by him being lifted up and introduce them to who he really is. That becomes our uh, responsibility. How will you introduce people to this Jesus who's lifted up? So I don't want us to miss that key verse. Yeah,
0: it also points back to the conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus in John 3, where Jesus noted that, that if he's lifted up like the serpent in the desert by Moses, that he would become the savior. And, uh, you, you, once again, it's, it's John's way of carrying out that theme throughout the book. Uh, it's about Jesus being lifted up. Uh, wow. he, he introduced it as early as the third chapter and he's bringing it up again here in John 12. Uh, this is part of the passion week and it's about to move into the last day of Jesus's life on earth prior to his crucifixion. And so it, it frames the whole conversation from chapter three to 12. And I, I think he did it on purpose, that he included that statement here as well to remind them that everything in the middle points to this fact that Jesus is going to be lifted up. The key doctrine helps us think through that as well. The key doctrine for this particular lesson is on salvation, and it states uh, salvation is offered freely to all who accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That points to the Greeks who wanted to know him, to find out about him, that all part Uh, And then it can. the statement continues, who by his own blood attained eternal redemption for the believer. It's not eternal redemption for all people, it's eternal redemption for the believer. So uh, it's offered freely, freely to all, but we also have to accept it. So there's both sides of that included in that statement. So I find that to be a very helpful statement. One of the things that could be done, we could take that statement at the end of the lesson and look at. Each one of the summary statements, believers can introduce others to Jesus. Following Jesus has cost and rewards. Hope is found in faithfully following the Father. And Jesus draws those seeking him to the cross. And look at how that statement ties to each one of those four summary statements and to the general statement all the way for this particular lesson, which Jesus offers hope to those who seek him. And that would be a good way for us to give depth to understanding that doctrinal statement about salvation
2: i was just going to say along that same line you know just like when moses lifts up the snake it it requires that moment of belief when you look on the snake and believe that's when you're saved and when you look on christ on the cross you can either think what a waste and 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 dismiss jesus or you can say what a sacrifice on my behalf, uh, that I'm able to participate now because of his uh, gift to me of eternal life. It's that moment of belief that becomes so important.
0: Any other key ideas or thoughts y'all would share about this particular lesson?
1: I just would point out, if, you, if a group leader has access to the pack, Pack item number one is especially good. It is a map. Um, It's a poster of the Passion Week in Jerusalem. It points out where the events happened and also gives a bit of a timeline if you follow them. So this is found on the inside back cover of the personal study guide and the daily discipleship guide, whichever of those you use. It's also found on the back inside cover of the leader guide, but it's just really valuable. It's a good visual to help put some of these events in context both for this week uh, this week's study and the coming weeks
0: thank you for that reminder any other reminders you have for us amber
1: Uh, Well, just thank you for listening today. If you have comments or questions, you are welcome to send me an email at amber.vaden at lifeway.com. And that is uh, A-M-B-E-R dot V as in Victor, A-D-E-N at lifeway.com. And I will do my best to answer your question or find an answer for you if I don't know it. We look forward to joining you next week as we look at uh session three and we'll be with mike livingston
0: bill thank you for being with us today
2: amber and Dwayne, thank you so much for letting me come by
1: yeah thank you so much